Welcome to the Fabulously Keto podcast aimed at improving health, vitality and quality of life. Eating real food in a ketogenic lifestyle. I'm Jackie Fletcher and I'm based in the UK. And I'm Louise Reynolds, an Aussie currently based in Bangkok, Thailand. Each week we will be bringing you guests who share their stories and discuss a range of topics which we hope will improve your health and well-being. Many of the guests, like us, came to Keto for Weight Loss and have stayed for their well-being, numerous health benefits and because they are living their best lives. We hope you will be inspired to incorporate these ideas into your own health journey so that you can feel better than you ever have before. Thinking about starting keto? Take a listen to episode number two, What is Keto and How to Start? Welcome to episode 36 of the Fabacy Keto podcast. And today, Jackie and I, we have the privilege of a one of the, well, one of the keto rock stars. So we interviewed Jimmy Moore. And for many of you, Jimmy and his tome of work, you know, Keto Clarity and Cholesterol Clarity, has been quite inspirational as the one that has got them started on their keto journey. Now, Jackie was brave enough to be clubhousing uh, with, with Jimmy and she invited him on the podcast and, yeah, and he said yes. So we were absolutely fangirling um, all the way through this particular interview. But um, thank you, Jackie, for um, being brave enough to approach one of the keto rock stars. Yeah. We were in a, a room that he just started and there was only about four people in there. So it was a great opportunity. How could I pass that up? And, you know, to be fair, Jackie, you know, he has been quite inspirational and he has been the one that people often say got them started on their keto journey. And, you know, for someone like himself who has had um, and has had weight issues for a number of years and has been very public about his um, his weight journey and the things that he's done and quite very much, you know, the content creator that he is, whether it's on Instagram or on um, his podcasts as well, so collaborations, the books that he's written with, you know, the likes of Maria Emmerich and Jason Fung, Eric Westman. So he's been obviously, a, you know, his legacy is there for, for all to see. Yeah. And and I, although I attribute my one to being Gary Taub's, um Why We Get Fat, the one that moved me over to keto was his Keto Clarity. And I read that and that was the second book I read. And that was what moved me onto keto. Yeah, even though you thought you were initially sort of doing keto, but still eating peas and corn, um, you know, that was obviously yeah, gave you some... I didn't know what I was doing. I, I didn't really think of it as anything in particular, but yeah. Well, it gave you some more clarity on your on your keto journey. It did, which I needed to change a lot. So actually, Louise, I had some peas the other day, a couple of weeks ago. That was <gasps> the first time since I read Keto Clarity. Well... I'm going to stick the keto police onto you, Jackie. Whoop, 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 <laughs> here they come. Jackie had peas. Yeah. I haven't had any corn yet. Oh, is, dear. Yeah, might be one of the things I need to try at some point. That's okay. Maybe not. So for those of you that don't know Jimmy and Jimmy's story, Jackie, why don't you tell us a bit more about Jimmy Moore? Jimmy Moore is an internationally best-selling author, podcaster, and inspiring speaker who is a highly sought-after lecturer around the world. He catapulted onto the health scene in 2004 after a phenomenal 180-pound weight loss enabled him to come off prescription drugs for high cholesterol, high blood pressure and respiratory problems. He is, an, he is the energetic personality behind the longest-running and top-ranked health podcast, The Living La Vida Low Carb Show, as well as Real Talk with Jimmy Moore and the One Step Deeper podcast with Brittany Davis. He has interviewed well over 1,700 of the world's top health experts and has dedicated his life to helping people get the best information possible about nutrition and lifestyle so they can make the right decisions for their health. He has authored or co-authored nine books, including Keto Clarity, The Ketogenic Cookbook, 
The Complete Guide to Fasting and Cholesterol Clarity, amongst others. Learn more about Jimmy and his work at www.llvlc.com. Welcome, Jimmy Moore, to the Fabulously Keto podcast. It's fabulous to have you with us today. Fabulous. I love that word, by the way. Very good branding, you guys, on Fabulously Keto podcast. <laughs> so one, the first question we ask all our guests is, where in the world are you? Uh, I am on planet Earth. You might have heard of it. It's in the solar system, kind of near the mo- oh, Oh, wait, you meant the, the place in the world. So on Earth... See, yes, I'm <laughs> sorry. You got to put up with that today. Uh, I'm in America. Obviously, nobody talks like this on purpose. And in the state of South Carolina in America, a little town called Spartanburg. Excellent. Actually, uh, a couple of years ago, I emailed you because I was visiting North Carolina. Yes. To see if you would be around. Uh, but you were going to be off in Italy at the time when I yeah. was in North Carolina. Yes, the Triangle area, I think, is where you went, like Raleigh-Durham area. And yeah, I was a, that's about three and a half hours away from me. I, I guess when you're not used to being in the country, you're like, oh, Carolinas, they're right next to each other. Yeah, but there's still a little bit of distance to drive uh, to get there. Yeah, I would have done it. I was in Charlotte, oh, but I would have done it. Oh, Charlotte. Okay, that's right. That's right. So Charlotte's an hour and a half away, so that wouldn't have been as bad. Yeah. So Jackie likes to sort of find out... Who was your inspiring one? So we've been asking our guests and it's been really interesting. Obviously, your name and your your work, your, your library of work, um, particularly Keto Clarity and Cholesterol Clarity, often gets a mention. But now that we have you, um, yeah, <laughs> Jimmy's, Jimmy's sort of, you know, plugging plugging the books. Showing his now books, that we yeah. have, have the one or, you know, one, one of many, but the one, um, here, who was your one that got you started on your your keto low carb journey? You know that's an interesting question because so many people are like, okay, somebody or something inspired you. I think it's being a disservice to all the moments that lead up to when you make this decision. Obviously, I could say Dr. Atkins because I read his book. In 2003, between Christmas and New Year's, I got a diet book for Christmas. (laughs) And so I could easily say him, even though I never met him, uh, one of the coolest honors of my life was meeting his widow, Veronica, and personally thanking her uh, for uh, Dr. Atkins and what he did to change my life, change my career, change everything about who I am as a man. Um, and I think I'm here today because of those changes that I made. So if I had to name a one, I would say Dr. Atkins. But I, I think, again, it would be a great disservice if we don't honor all of the experiences that lead us up to making the changes that we ultimately do make. Yeah. And what would be some of those most memorable or those most significant changes in that sort of lead up to really obviously crystallizing with, with that particular book to, to move you forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think like there's a lot of moments that happen, Louise, that both good and bad, like people think, oh, you only need positive reinforcement, happy people in your life that will make you. No, no, you can be heavily influenced both by that kind of influence, but I think a lot more profoundly by the negative. And I remember being at a, a carnival and I, they had a rock wall, climbing wall. This is a few months before I read Dr. Atkins's book. And I remember seeing all these kids and adults go up and down, up and down like Spider-Man. And I'm like, okay, I can do that. Cognitive dissonance, not realizing how unhealthy I was. And I go to do it and I, I can't do it. And I'm like, what in the world is going on? And it was this negative. I was embarrassed. I remember I was a substitute teacher about a month later, a couple months before I started Atkins. And I was writing the assignment on the board and some kid in the back row over there said, man, Mr. Moore, you're really fat. Mm. And of course, all the kids in the room just start busting out laughing. And I turn around and laugh to keep from crying. Um, And so like those are the things that are like really ensconced in my brain of, okay, that started to shake me awake a little bit. So that when I got Dr. Atkins's book as a Christmas gift, <clears throat> don't give <give> that <laughs> horrible, but 
So you know what I'm saying, Jackie, you know, uh, <laughs> it's horrible to do that, but it, I was ready. I think is the answer. Like by the time I got to that point, I had already had all these negative reinforcements of dude, you're on a one way path to an unhealthy future and maybe a very early demise. Get your act together. Yeah. And you've used the word like influence and, you know, you had these, these events that influenced you in yes. order to be open and ready to, to the universe and was gifted this book. But the fact that you are in this keto community as an influencer now, how do you see your role in, in perhaps, you know, not only your, your publications as well as your, your podcast? You know, that's been, that's been quite a, I was going to say a gift or your legacy as an influencer in the, in the keto community. Oh, it's so humbling. Every day I get people write me and say, this book changed their life, Keto Clarity. And it's just like, wait, what? Like I, I've been on Clubhouse a lot lately uh, and on there, even medical doctors will come into the rooms I'm in just so they can tell me I'm a doctor today because of you. I'm like, what? Like, it's just, it's humbling. But at the same time, I have such an empathetic heart for people that have gone through what I went through. Uh, and I, I just, I don't know. I just feel compelled daily to just keep that passion alive. It's why I stay so prolific in my work. And 17 years after starting that at Concerning, I'm still just as enthusiastic about this message today. In fact, I would probably dare say more enthusiastic today than I've ever been. Yeah. So I started, I attribute my one to Gary Taub's Why We Get yeah. Fat. Yes. And basically all I did was cut out pasta, rice, flour, all those things, cakes and biscuits, uh, cookies, as you call them. Yeah. And, uh, but the pivotal moment for me was reading Keto Clarity, which was about six months later. And that was when everything started to click and I really started to make some serious changes. So I would count that as one of my, one of my ones. That's cool. Thank you for that. By the way, Gary wrote that book. I interviewed him in 2007 about good calories, bad calories, which was the big science 600 page book. And I think you guys had it in Australia as the diet delusion, I believe was the version. There was another version around the world. Anyway, here in America, it was called good calories, bad calories. And I'm like, Gary, you got to make a consumer friendly version of that book. A lot less pages. And he's like, OK, I'll take that under consideration. And next thing we know, we get why we get fat. Uh, so I'm like, good job, Gary. Good job. <laughs> yeah, but in terms of obviously, you know, the the time of work that you've done, it, have you been able to sort of reflect back and think, well, the messaging was on point here. These were some of the lessons I've learned. You know, I've tweaked my messaging here, or you know, that there has been some iterations along along the way. For me, if you stop evolving in your thinking like that, then you stop growing. And one of the things that's given me longevity is I've grown with the times. When I came around, Atkins was a thing, but there was really no leader. So I was able to pick up the baton and run with kind of the low carb in general message. Thus, that's why I called myself Living La Vida Low Carb. And then the paleo community kind of rose up in the early 2010s uh, till about 2015. And I was a part of that group, kind of promoting again. Uh, the message of low carb, but then they infused into me the importance of quality food and real food and minding your gut health and those kinds of things. Some of the biohacking stuff was a part of that as well. So then that became infused in me and my thinking. Uh, then I started testing like nutritional ketosis, doing N equals one testing and wearing CGMs on the arm, all the things you keep adding to it. And now I wear a ring that measures my sleep and, and, uh, HRV and all these kind of things. And so I think you just keep adding to your knowledge. And I think because I keep my ear to the ground on all of those things, that's why people stick around and uh, appreciate my work because I don't just say, yeah, just keep your carbs low and eat real food. There's only so many ways you can say that <laughs> in 17 years and people are going to go, okay, yeah, we've heard that. What else you got? So I'm always trying to seek, uh, seek out ways to optimize health. So talking about the biohacking, because you're a great biohacker and you've done lots of things. And I know you've done a lot of work with John Lemansky and done lots of things for yourself. 
what what are some of your recent biohacks and what have been the ones that have worked or giving you the best results? Oh, I've been putting a lot of focus on my sleep. And it's ironic. I talk about it on a day that I had a bad night's sleep, but I was telling you before we came on the air, not a good night's sleep. But in general, I've been really hacking my sleep. And uh, again, I use this ring. I don't know if it's available in, in Australia yet or not, but oh, you've got one. Okay, good. Aura ring. I'm sure. And Louise's husband has one as well. Ah, very nice. So I'm sure you've talked about it to your listeners before, but basically it tracks the different phases of the sleep. And that's my primary use of wearing it. It does a lot of other things too, but that's what I look for. So REM and deep sleep. I have done so many things to try to improve that um, from the very dark room, keeping the room cool making sure I stop all liquids at a certain time, cut off caffeine at a certain time, just on down the list. We could talk about that if you want to, but I've really focused hard on optimizing that sleep. And for the most part, I aim and I get uh, at least three hours of that restorative sleep of REM and deep. I hit my all-time high two weeks ago. I got over five hours of REM and deep sleep. I'd never gotten that much combined uh, restorative sleep before. I want to say it was in seven and a half total hours of sleep. Uh, and I got that much sleep. So it was like 75% of my sleep was this really enriched, uh, good sleep that you want. And you feel that like when you don't sleep well, you feel groggy, right? You feel irritable. You're just, you're, you're hungry. And actually there's a lot of studies that show it actually makes you mildly insulin resistant just from a lack of sleep. You don't have to eat a single carb, <laughs> And, and have negative effects in your metabolic health. So yeah. making sleep my priority right now has been my biggest hack lately. Great. I'm just looking at my sleep data. I mean, I don't have an aura ring. Yeah, Andrew, Andrew is the is the, the data geeky guy. So spreadsheets for everything. But I do have a Fitbit. And if you got 75% of REM and deep sleep, yeah, maybe I need to do some, some biohacking here. So Well, that's the best I ever did. Most of the time, I get somewhere between 55 to 65%. Okay. I don't get that. No. But that's oh, okay. I've been mm. working on mine for years, Louise. Like back in the day, if mm. I got two hours of total REM and, and, uh, and deep sleep, I was happy. But my goal is at least three hours. And usually I get that. Even with the crappy night's sleep I had last night of just over four hours, four, almost four and a half hours, it was still two over two and a half hours of that was restorative. My body knows how to sleep when it's time to sleep. And part of that is I honor my circadian rhythm. So I've got the circadian rhythm on the sun's about to rise here where I live. And so when it comes up, I will let that sunlight hit my eye at this time of the day. Then about midday, I'll go outside around noon and let it hit it from that angle. I'm not staring at the sun. Don't do that. You guys that will burn your cornea, but be able to let your brain know what time of day it is. Then around four o'clock, same thing. And then just as the sun is setting, again, letting the brain see that light go into the eyes. And when you do that over a period of time, your body automatically kicks in all of the sleep. I get super sleepy. I don't even set up interviews after 4 p.m. <laughs> because I know I'm not going to be fully here. And when they try to pull me into a clubhouse around like five or six, I'm like, no, guys, I'm going to listen, but I can't engage because I'm dead in the brain mm -hmm. at that time of day. And then I go to sleep and I pretty much stay asleep, maybe go up, get up to go to the bathroom a time or two at night. Um, and then I'm up super early in the morning. I haven't even used an alarm clock to wake up. I can't even um, I can't even remember the last time I used an alarm clock because I'm always up early. Mm. So with your, I suppose, your future, your future visionary, what are some of the things that you can see in the future for low-carb keto? You're keeping your ear close to the ground, I hear. So, Yes, girl. I have people ask me that question all the time. I'm like, just because I predicted the keto trend doesn't mean I know everything. I got that one right. But I do think I am right on the next thing I'm about to share with you. I think we are moving to a day and age where customization of your nutrition is going to be the norm. I know everybody likes to latch on to a diet, the Atkins diet, the paleo diet, the keto diet, now the carnivore diet that's out there, the fasting diet, all these diet, 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 diet. When at the end of the day, yes, all of those are a component of the answer, but they're not necessarily the answer. 
which is why I think working with practitioners, working in a functional medicine kind of setting, we're going to see more customization of nutrition. And we have so many tools like the Aura Ring, like CGMs, the continuous glucose monitors, all these tools in our toolbox. It's crazy that you wouldn't use those to try to customize the diet that's right for you. Yeah, that's really important. But don't you think that there's some sort of intuitiveness that people do that already because, you know, we've seen little tweaks and hacks. We've, you know, we've got the the vegetarian and the vegan sort of flavors. As you said, you know, before that we had the primal and paleos, the whole 30s. And then moving to, you know, the other way, we've obviously got um, our carnival folks, you know, that there is some sort of customization. But are you saying that it's actually someone in a clinic that's customizing it for you? Well, that too, but that's a different beast. I think what we're trying to do is bring in all the people eating the standard Australian diet, the standard American diet, the crappy garbage, as I like to describe it, the biscuits and all the things like those things are not serving people well. And so when they on ramp into something, we need to help them not look at keto as an answer, paleo as an answer, carnivore as an answer, but say, okay, here are lots of options. Which one appeals to you the most? So I think it's the on-ramp that I'm referring to. Obviously, on an individual level, once you get in and you start having success and you go, oh, well, this is feeling good. Let me try this little tweak here. Let me add in some probiotic foods there. And that's where the tweaking and the customization happens on an individual level. What I'm referring to is as people are coming off the crap and getting onto something, that's the customization right there. At that flashpoint, they're going to get a taste of what it feels like to feel good, maybe for the first time in their lives. Mm, definitely the first time. And we'll be able to use the technology more. So yeah. like we've got the we've got the Aura Rings. Um, there's all sorts of other uh, data that we can input that, about ourselves. Yes. Blood tests. And I know here in the UK, we have a set amount, set standard of, blood tests that we can do through the doctor yes but then there are other options to take other blood tests and get deeper results or more meaningful results that's right yeah and and the fun part is we live in such a technologically advanced society i don't think people the regular people that aren't into health like we're all nuts on this call today but people out there they don't even know that you can track your sleep every time i wear this ring they're like wow that's a cool ring i'm like it's not just a ring. And I'd start to tell them about it. And they're like, oh my God, that exists. And like, they don't know some of the technology. And like, I was talking about the CGMs, like you talk about sticking a needle in someone's arm and, and then measuring glucose on a whim for two weeks in a row. Like that's so new to people. They don't even know that kind of thing. So the education piece is, is another thing that kind of keeps me going in this of what I take for granted of what I know there's people that don't even know a speck of any of that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. But do you think we live in an age of too much information because we've got this information overload? Yes. And the fact that, you know, that's uh, when you're saying about the on-ramping, that that's a really great metaphor. When we're on-ramping, that they're bombarded with, you know, all this information, particularly on their low-carb keto journey. And it's just like, <gasps> what's my macros? And, you know, what should yeah. I be doing? And, you know, where's my shopping list? You know, green and orange and red. And uh, there's just this overwhelmedness. But I can see customization that it's it's a tailoring and suited journey and easing onto and into. And this is why I think the customization piece with a medical professional or a nutritional health professional is so critical. People flail when they start. I see it on Clubhouse every single day that I get on there, people talking about them. Well, what about MCT? I've got to get in this. And I'm like, do you know I'm a longtime keto person and I don't use MCT oil? Like they're shocked when they find out, whoa, you don't have to have that. No, you don't. So it's almost like you wish you could just hand people a manual, which is why I wrote Keto Clarity. I wanted it to be that manual that just says, you want to know the basics. Here's the basics. Then as you get going, you want to add some things to it. There is where you experiment and tinker and test. But that on-ramp is just so critical. Uh, Louise, I just feel like this is where people fall apart 
they don't really know what to do because they are bombarded with so much information. I, I'm very fortunate when I started the Atkins diet, there weren't the, uh, social media didn't even exist. Podcasts weren't really a thing like none of that was out there. Uh, now it's so overwhelming because you Google keto and you get all ups, downs, in-betweens of how to do it, what you're supposed to do, what you shouldn't do. And, and then it's contradictory amongst uh, prominent names and you just go, what the hell? I don't know what to do. It's just so confusing, which is why I always try to bring it back to the basics. Here's what you need to do. Then start there, get good at that, then branch out. Yeah. Keep it simple. Yeah. So can do you I think- ask you, oh, sorry. Go no, it was just more about the um, the keto tribes, you know, how tribal people get. And then obviously you've got the the tribal, the tribe wars, the keto tribe wars, and then you have the various factions. And obviously you've been around long enough to know that there's the low carb, oh, sorry, the low protein, the higher protein, and there's all the people in, in between. So yeah. do you see that it could be a little bit like um, Game of Thrones, you know, do we need the King of the North and do we need to have somebody that unites all the families around the table? Almost like the Hunger Games, actually, at this point, to see who's going to be the victor. Like I, I, I and, it, and it disappoints me, to be honest. From the very beginning of starting Living La Vida Low Carb, my mantra is find what works for you and then do it. I don't care if you need higher protein. Why would I be opposed to you eating higher protein? If I need a more moderate protein approach and higher fat, why would you be opposed to me? I think the solution to this is everybody's got to let go of their ego of being, quote, right. I don't really give a crap if I'm right or not. I share information. And then with that information, I expect people to filter it through their own reasoning and figure out if it makes sense to them. If it doesn't, okay, discard it, or at least go, okay, now I know that that's one of the perspectives. What are the other perspectives? We have lost the fine art of critical thinking. Show me the the reasons why I should have more protein. Show me the reasons why I should moderate my protein. And then let's come to some kind of a synthesis of those two viewpoints, which seem opposite. But at the end of the day, you end up respecting the people that need to have higher protein, And then those people respecting the people that need to moderate their protein. I don't know why there needs to be contentiousness about personal choices. I totally agree with that. Everyone should do what suits them. And I think the important thing is to research and find out what are the things that would work for you. And maybe they will and maybe they won't. But you need to do it for yourself. Agreed. It is hard though, isn't it? Because when you have like eminent people like Steve Finney saying, don't go fasting more than X number of hours. And then obviously you, um, you know, written the book with with Jason Fung and obviously an advocate for obviously, you know, intermittent and extended fasting. Yeah, we'll put the link in the show notes um, to, to your body of work. I'm he sure that show up. notes are showing us. <laughs> Jimmy's sitting there with all his books around him, holding them up as we mentioned. That's, that's called a good marketing <laughs> author. Pimp my books. <laughs> That's right. So, you know, it, it is hard when we have all these eminent, as you said, about the scientists. And I think you hit the nail on the head. You know, people want the right answer. So just give me the facts, nothing but the facts. Yes. But I think because there's so much gray in the science and depending yes. on whose science you're listening to. But the fact is, you know, it gets back to your N equals one. What works for you? So yes. whether that higher protein, that lower protein, where you are in your in your journey, yeah, but I think it, it, like you said, it's it's hard because people you know want the right answer, and I think the science is still still out there unanswered. But think about it: we've been conditioned, especially when it comes to diet, to think there is a one size fits all diet. That's what the USDA did here in America with the dietary guidelines. You guys have your own issues uh, with the British equivalent of that. Like it's, it's sad to me that people think there's only one way. Why, why would we ever think of it in that way? I, I think of diet like shoe sizes. Like I wear a big, I got a big foot. <laughs> it's like 13 triple E wide width. It's just a big foot. And then you've got girls that have a size five. So totally different. I couldn't wear her shoe, would barely get it on a couple of toes and then it would fall off 
they couldn't wear my shoe. They, they basically have to like envelop themselves inside the shoe. So why would we think that some monolithic diet plan is going to work for all people? Plus, it negates all of the individualism, the bioindividualism of each metabolism and where we've come from and how much damage we put it through and what our insulin resistance level is like it just denies so much of who we are as individuals. It's ludicrous to think that one diet fits all. Mm. Even down to parts of the world. So those yeah. very north of, north of the world are going to be a very different diet to those on the equator. Yes. Yeah. And I love it. I'm kind of envious of those who live uh, near the equator, all the tropical islands and stuff, and they get to have all those fruits and that's natural part of their diet. Like we, we vilify fruit sometimes because, oh, it's too much sugar. But in some cultures, their bodies, they have enzymes that will break that down a lot easier than we have. They don't have the insulin resistance. So, yeah, I, 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 I hate that we have forgotten ancestralism when it comes to nutrition. Because if we remember ancestralism, then we see the Inuit Eskimos, they survive pretty much on fat and whale blubber and, and meats and, and things like that. Whereas, uh, like at the tropics, it's a lot of fruit and, and those kinds of things like, and coconut, we forget that we are so individual. It even goes down to where we are in the world. You're right. Yeah. And I think part of that is because we've cross cultured as in people have moved around the world a lot more in the last yeah. 60, 70 years. And therefore they're not where they were from originally. Yeah. But we we still forget. So here in the UK, we have a, a high um, Indian Pakistani population with dark skin. We have a lot of um, black people with dark skin, and we forget that they need the sun. They need the sun, and if they're not getting that sun, then that is affecting them metabolically. They're not getting the vitamin D that they need. Yet we all we're all clumped together. Yeah, and it's a sad reality uh, that that yeah, we have interspersed. And then think about what's happened even more than people moving around, diet trends moving into, into other cultures that never had the diet that we have here in America, you guys have in the UK. Westernized diet has been exported to places like China and other places. Never imagined that they would have these kinds of like crappy foods that we take for granted, I guess, as norm, they've mm. never really had that. So then they get away from their traditional diet, which had carbohydrates in it, but now they're mixing those things with kind of refined carbohydrates. And now they're getting fat and diabetic and sick. And mm. it's, it's the exportation of that cultural, the food culture, in addition to the moving around of people around the world that I think has led to a lot of the issues we're dealing with. Yeah. yeah, and absolutely. We've seen that um, firsthand in Australia with, you know, colonisation and our First Nations, the introduction yeah. of white flour and sugar as yeah. payment for um, for services and that sort of stuff. So it's absolutely devastated the, yeah. the health of our First Nations. When uh, Pete Evans put that in his documentary about what happened to the First Nations groups, oh my gosh, I was just like, that makes so much mm -hmm. sense. And it was like the highest yeah. obesity rate in all of Australia. <laughs> is in this First Nations tribe. It's crazy. And shortened, shortened lifespan. So, which is, which gets to even my genetics because I did my um, 23andMe, so my, yeah. my DNA. And obviously, I'm Northern European living in the Southern Hemisphere, you know, right over the whole of the ozone layer, you know, the, the weather and, you know, one little UV and I end up being like fried, you know, with sunburn. So, um, which is really bad because, you know, my genes belong in the Northern Hemisphere. When I was in the UK, I absolutely loved it. You know, like it was just the perfect weather for the ginger, the ginger ninja. And, um, you know, the, the freckle, the freckle girl from, you know, with the Irish genes. And it's just, it doesn't make sense that I should be living in, in Australia with the sun beating down on me. Yeah, so, I have. Yeah, all those have years of. You, by the way, I'm 70% Irish. Thus the freckles and my mom had red hair as well. Yeah. <laughs> so um, can I ask you about your You can ask anything Sebastian? you want, sweetie. What you got? So, because you strike me as a type A personality, how was it taking six months off not doing any work? 
Yeah. So from September 1st, 2019 until March 1st, 2020, uh, I decided for the first time in my career to go away. And quite frankly, I'm glad I did. In hindsight, so many things happened in the midst of that that needed to happen. And but for me taking that exact time away, probably would have been much worse if I had not gone away. So in hindsight, I can look back and see it in that manner. In the moment, it was treacherous in the early days, like the first few weeks. And I'm a content maker. You guys both follow me. You know, I'm pumping out podcasts and and I was doing all these things. Go, 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 go. I didn't know how to stop. And so a six month sabbatical forced me to stop. I deleted all the social media apps off my phone. I did nothing for six months just to see how I would handle it. And, and what was amazing to me was the things that came up that I was hiding with my work. And in the midst of that, I came to some decisions that I needed to make uh, for my life that I'm still having ramifications of. Uh, and good things, good things that have happened. Also went very introspective, kind of examining where I am in my life, how I got here, uh, unresolved childhood trauma that I dealt with a lot of the ramifications of that. Um, it was good in hindsight, in the midst of it, mm -hmm. it was the surgery that I needed my whole life that I didn't know I needed. And, it, mm -hmm. and there were moments that I'm like, I can't take this. This is too much. It's too much cutting too fast. I need, I need to breathe. I need to heal from this and then, but no, I kept doing the work and I'm not saying I'm fully healed today, but I'm in a whole hell of a lot better place today, mentally, psychologically. Um, I'm in a, I'm in a place where I feel like I can be a lot more impactful in my work moving forward than I've even been up to this point. It's, it's really revolutionized how I think that life's more than just keto. I could talk about keto out my ears, but I'd rather talk about relationships and connection with people and stress management and dealing with the stuff from your past so you can move forward in your life. Those are the things that get me jazzed now. Yeah. So did you, do you have any noticeable health improvements? Cause I know part of that was, was a biohack to see how your body would respond. Did you have any, health impacts from those that time off? Yeah, honestly, if I'm being real honest with you, the health impact was mental. Mm. If I had not done this, I may have had a mental breakdown. Um, and again, I didn't even know until I got away and I started like dealing with and all the work and everything was stripped away. And all I was left with was my internal thoughts. Those things were there. Those things were going to manifest at some point in some way. Had I not gone away, I could have had a breakdown. Something might have manifested physically in my life because of not addressing those. Like we, we so discount our subconscious and pushing things down, pushing things down, pushing things down. We don't realize that the more you push things down, eventually the body's going to go, all right, you're not going to slow down. We're going to slow you down. We can do this the easy way. You can go away on a sabbatical. Or we could do it the hard way and you have a heart attack and you have a stroke and you have some calamity happen in your life. You're going to feel us eventually if you don't deal mm. with this. So if I had to pinpoint anything that changed health wise, it had to be the mental health. And I am so much stronger today than I was a year and a half ago when that, when I went away. Uh, in fact, we're coming up on the one year anniversary since I came back and then <laughs> I come back last year on March the 1st, 10 days later, COVID hits. <laughs> oh my gosh. I was so glad I did all that work because everybody was like freaking out about the isolation and about the lockdown. I'm like, I've been doing this for six months, you guys, before I even knew there was a pandemic coming. So I kind of felt like I was able to help people mentally deal with those early days when all this started happening. Um, and so, yeah, I was, I was grateful for it. I took a hit financially, uh, being away for six months, no pay, no nothing. Um, but man, the payoff on the other side of it, I'm, I'm a much better man today because I did that. Mm. Was there anything negative that came out of that, that you think 
yeah, I wish I hadn't done that. So I know thing I know things happen to you that maybe people would consider negative, but for you, you've put a positive spin on it, and you're looking back and you see that it had to happen. But is there anything that you think? Ah, I just wish that hadn't have happened, or I didn't have that to deal with. You know, my personality type is such that I don't regret anything that actually happens in the midst of something, even if it's a bad thing. I think in those bad moments, you learn something. Uh, But no, to answer your question, I don't think there's anything that if I were to go back and wish that I could change something about what happened. No, I mean, I made some big life choices in the midst of that, that radically shifted my life. Uh, I, I decided that I needed better for Jimmy. And so I, I moved on in a lot of ways from the childhood trauma um, from a broken marriage, just a lot of things. I decided to just move on in my life. And those are tough choices when you start making those kinds of decisions. Um, and people judge you for those things and, and that's fine. Um, but at the end of the day, you have to protect your own, yourself, uh, your own mental faculties, your own emotional health. And again, like I said, I am in a good place today, emotionally speaking, um, because I made those tough choices a year and a half ago. Hmm. Do you think that you've really connected that mind and body and spirit? So this sort of perhaps this epiphany that you've been able to, as you said, that mental health, you've got that, maybe there's a new book, the mental health clarity, but you've got that clarity of, yes, I needed to unpack these boxes and I've repacked them up and now I have this new connection between what is this manifestation in my body from, from what was actually that unhappiness and the trauma and we've connected the two together to be able to move forward, as you said, as a new man. Yes. Oh, you speak in my language. So thank you for that. Absolutely. Like that's, if I had to summarize the experience, that's exactly what happened. I stopped just focusing on the physical, which is what kind of nutritional health has been about. And I, yeah, I did. I, I incorporated all of it. And letting go of like limiting beliefs and belief systems. And like, there's so many things that people latch themselves onto uh, in life that they don't even know why they latch themselves onto those things. And so some of that internal work kind of made me question, what do I really believe? Do I, the things that I believe now, is it just because I've always believed them or do I actually believe them? And I encourage anyone listening to this right now, do that evaluation. Like think about the things in your life that you think you know and that you believe in. Do you really? Like think deeply, like really dig deeply with that. Mm. But it sounds, but it sounds there's such a, um, in terms of this front stage, there's this front stage, Jimmy, and you know, he's this larger than life character. He's so passionate but when you just said about this limiting belief, what? Jimmy Moore has limiting beliefs? He can do anything. He's a podcaster. He's a published, you know, number one bestseller author. That there's a disconnect backstage for for that. That's that's what I see. You know. Yeah, and and I would say anybody that's even pseudo famous like me, or really famous like actors and singers, all of them have stuff their public persona almost is invariably not the same as their real life. And then you see like suddenly Michael Jackson is dead at the age of 50 and Whitney Houston, same thing. Like these really famous people that on the outside appearances seem like everything's okay, but on the inside stuff's going on because they're not dealing with these things. So yeah, I'm not afraid to talk about, some of those things that, that I had to work on internally. And I, and again, you don't even have to be famous to do this. Like I think anybody who's dealing with going through the motions of life, I'm tired of motions of life. I want life and life abundantly. Um, and by golly, for the rest of this time on earth, I'm going to live it completely to the fullest. Um, not that I would say before that I was faking it, but what you're seeing now is not just the Jimmy you've known and loved, but another side of Jimmy that maybe you haven't seen before because it's the real authentic Jimmy coming out. Mm. I was going to say, you've done a Jimmy version 2.0. There's a reboot. Yeah. You know, Now we've got the authentic Jimmy. 
And so what, what is this authentic Jimmy? How would you describe him if he was, you know, uh-huh. posting it on Tinder? <laughs> well, I, I am so happy-go-lucky, silly, unafraid to be who I am, say who I am, comfortable in conversations that go very deep. Um, yeah, I, I think so many people live such superficial lives and that just nauseates me now. I don't want to be superficial anything. I want people to say, wow, now there's a genuine person who is comfortable in their own skin. And, and I am, I literally uh, can have encounters with anybody now. And in fact, I seek it out. Uh, Just before the recording of this, I was speaking to uh, someone on the West coast who was still awake because it was late night for them and it was early morning for me. And so we had a nice two hour conversation on the phone. Who does that anymore? Like it's, it's, it's amazing in this day and age, we have all this technology to connect us. We don't avail ourselves of that opportunity to connect. Well, this podcast today is me connecting with somebody in the UK and somebody in Australia. That's, that's kind of cool. And, and there's just something about making a difference in someone's life, life on an individual basis. That's what I want to be about for the rest of my life. That's a grand mission. And I think you should be really proud of, you know, the fact that you've had this legacy. So not to say, you know, past tense, but the authentic rebooted Jimmy version 2.0 and moving forward. So what what do you see future projects? Any more books or is there going to be any more podcast versions? Yeah, so I actually created a podcast uh, two and a half months ago with my best friend. She's one of the people I talk deeply to um, on a, on a frequent basis. Her name's Brittany. The name of the show is One Step Deeper Podcast. Uh, we debut it on YouTube, so the videos are up. If you just do a, a search for One Step Deeper, uh, and then on Mondays it's all over the podcasting formats. If you want to look it up, but we talk about really really deep stuff there. And like, I didn't realize I had a need to talk about these things until I had a friend that I connected with so deeply that I had to go there. And what's funny about, uh, her name is Brittany. What's funny about the relationship she and I have as friends, she's 20 years younger than me. She has three kids, happily married, loves her husband. I'm going through a divorce. I have no kids and I've been successful in my career. She's trying to become successful. We, we couldn't be more opposite if we tried. And yet we're bonded because uh, we both do keto and we're bonded because we both went through childhood trauma. And so those things kind of bond us. And then from there, we don't have like, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, we hardly agree on anything, but we still stay connected and go there in conversation in ways that I think could be a template for the rest of the world that likes to butt heads, we need to come together instead. And, and it's the beauty of my relationship with her as a friend and now on the podcast, like those are the kinds of things that I'm really jazzed about. And so to answer your specific question, in addition to one step deeper, um, I'm also, yes, have lots of books. The funny thing is I've written nine books. I wrote seven in seven years. No wonder Jimmy was burnt out um, and I needed a break. But now I have so many book ideas just floating around. You said mental health clarity. I think kind of a brain clarity book would be cool. Uh, Stress clarity would be cool. Yeah, I have lots of book ideas. Definitely this mindset stuff. I would like to write a book about childhood trauma. I think that's not really served a lot out there. Trust me, I have uh, ideas a million. Fabulous. And and I know you've interviewed thousands of people over all your different podcasts. Is there anyone that you would love to interview that you haven't yet interviewed? Oh, I have asked various people over the years. But to me, it's not even about personalities anymore. It used to be. I thought, oh, I need a big name. I need a Gary Taub so I can get lots of views. I'm not interested in that. I, I did have Gary on recently about his new book, The Case of Keto. Fabulous, fabulous. I, I had to relax him a little bit because I'm like, Gary, that New Yorker in you, you got to relax you, man. You're killing me. Um, <laughs> he went there with me kind of in a more relaxed style. No, I'm I'm interested in interesting people um, and, and people that are willing to not go through marketing uh, sales points. Like today, I, I didn't even ask you guys what you wanted to ask me. In fact, I said, I challenge you, ask me something I've never been asked before. I, that's just my jam. That's how I roll. Um, 
Yeah. I mean, I just, I love interesting people. Obviously I would love to talk to some, uh, somebody at like a big pharmaceutical company and kind of pick their brain, why, like a whistleblower or something like why things are the way they are, or even from a big food company, same thing. That would be really intriguing to me. I think maybe getting the ear of some top politician would be really interesting as well about where their heart is when it comes to nutritional health and any possible policy changes from on high. Um, but yeah, I will literally interview anybody. That's I'm very comfortable behind the microphone and don't have any trepidation about asking the tough questions. So if, if you could interview anyone in the world who is maybe, maybe even dead, who would that be? <laughs> Dr. Atkins. And why? <laughs> I always wanted to meet the man. I watched a lot of his video lectures. He was so far ahead of time. You know, we think keto is this new trend that came around around 2017 or so, 2018. Uh -uh. Early 70s, when I was still in diapers, this man wrote a book uh, that revolutionized nutrition. And what was happening in the culture at the time was this push away from saturated fat this push towards carbohydrates as a fuel source, carbohydrates to, uh, for heart health, talking about the grains. Um, and, and it was the exact opposite of what Dr. Atkins was saying in his clinic. Hey, we need to cut the carbs. We need to cut the sugars. We need to eat more fat and eat uh, proteins in their natural form. Like he was promoting something at a, at a time when everybody that was going against the grain, all pun intended, was being vilified. John Yudkin was trying to make the case against sugar in the early 70s, and they basically blacklisted him. He got canceled quick, uh, and he died. And now posthumously, uh, all these years later, oh, wow, he was ahead at the time, too. So I would definitely love to talk to Dr. Atkins. Uh, when I talked to his widow, Veronica, she said, oh, Bobby would have loved you so much because you're so enthusiastic. He was that way. And and I'd watch some of his interviews. He was so blunt. I'm like, oh, you're speaking my language. So <laughs> that would be the one if I had to uh, go back in time and interview anybody. But it's so good that you can work with Eric Westman because obviously he sort of picked up the baton yeah. from, you know, with Dr. Atkinson's research. And obviously he's made the case for science and your co-author um, in your publishing. And you've, yeah, so he's, it's almost like his apprentice. But er, yes, yes and no. Yes, he was the apprentice from the scientific standpoint of the diet. Eric is very docile and measured when he talks. So I would even say if you combine Jimmy Moore and Eric Westman together, then you've got Dr. Atkins because I'm the boisterous personality that can kind of get it out there and talk. Eric's the one that's more you know measured and has the knowledge. Dr. Atkins had both of those things and that encompassed who he was. So I'll have to tell Eric that next time I talk to him, <laughs> no, you and I together, we make Dr. Atkins. <laughs> and it is really wonderful. Like you sort of said about, you know, getting together when we can actually meet because I was wanting, I was just telling, telling Jackie that I've, I've met you actually three times. Um, so once in Australia, so you actually came to my hometown in Adelaide and you did a presentation. Then we met at KetoFest, yep. and we also met at Breckenridge. So um, without sounding too much of a stalkish fangirl, um, you know, our, our paths, our long-distance paths, and I'm really, yeah, hanging out for actually, because you were doing the low-carb cruises as well. So do you see there will be a time that you'll be back on the conference presentation cruising Please well, tell me. Well, I'm not cruise anymore. Um, Dr. Ken Berry is running and taking that. It's because of some of this internal work. I've decided to kind of shift focus a bit and do more of this kind of dealing with the past trauma stuff. So there's only, again, so many ways you tell people eat less carbs, eat real food. Like it's, it's not hard. Like go, go do that. So um, it ran its course, went 13 years. It was wonderful. But I, I suppose this pandemic is going to dictate how much of the travel is going to happen. I would love to come back to Australia. I haven't been to the UK in six years, so I definitely would love uh, to come back there as well. Trust me, I'm ready to, to get back out there and share the good word because I think 
I think the stuff I'm talking about now is way more valuable than the things I've been talking about the past decade and a half. Mm. Yeah, very deep stuff. Yeah, but it's also, and, but it's it's commendable because obviously there comes with those gender stereotypes as well. So I think that that's also breaking uh, some extra stigma around mental yes. health and men's health, particularly. Oh my gosh! And when you start talking about childhood trauma, you're looked at as a wuss if you're a guy. Oh, just get over it, and it's like. Okay, but what if you don't get over it? What if it's still manifesting in your relationships, manifesting in your life, keeping you from truly healing your body? Like like we talked about earlier, if you don't deal with these things, they manifest physically. I think that's why I've kept weight on the body for so long is I, I think some of that emotional energy, negative energy in my body was starting to manifest physically. And had I not gone away, like I said, the six months, something would have exploded. And I'm in a much better place now. Uh, but you're right. The stigma is so negative with guys talking about this, which is why Jimmy Moore is talking about it, because I'm not afraid to be stigmatized. I, I pretty much stigmatized in my career anyway. So I'm used to it. Come at me, bruh. Yeah. And you're going to inspire other men to look deeper inside themselves and make some changes and take some action. And maybe if they don't have a male role model, they wouldn't do that. Yeah. And, and, and I recognize that as well, um, which is why I, I continue to show vulnerability. Um, I continue to show empathy and I've cried on camera. Like I, I'm just me. I don't pretend to be something I'm not. What you see is what you get. People are always shocked, Jackie, when they meet me in person. Oh, wow. You, you're just like you sound on your podcast. I'm like, was I supposed to be different? Like that always shocks me. <laughs> They're like, Oh, you're, you're not a, you're not a jerkwad off, off the air. I'm like, was I supposed to be? I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> how long have you guys been doing this podcast? Since October. Oct oh, so you started it during the pandemic. Yeah. Well, okay. the, the seed came from you and I don't know who you've spoken to so many people over the years and you've said you should start a podcast. Yeah. I was thinking, yes, I should start a podcast. And then it just took quite about 18 months to evolve and come together hey that's okay uh you guys are doing it you both have intelligent questions i could tell you were nervous interviewing me but that's just my instincts i know when people are nervous now but you are wonderful you guys should be very proud of what you're doing here thank you yeah it's 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 hard it's hard obviously being on the other side i mean not that you know it's it's more comfortable asking the questions but um thank you for your vulnerability and sharing everything as jimmy does um yeah i love being on this side of the microphone because yeah i can do interviews in my sleep and i make them fun and engaging but there's just something about being able to be on this end of things like I didn't prepare any of what I said today. Like everything you asked me in the moment, I'm like, yeah, what do I think about that? And I'm just sharing. So I, I guess that comes with experience talking a lot. So. <laughs> yeah. So Jimmy, how can people get in contact with you? Yeah, I'm pretty easy to find. If you Google my name, it's actually, you'll find all my stuff, but L L V is in Victor, LC as in cat.com stands for live in La Vida Low Carb. Uh, and so it pretty much has everything that I do from the live in La Vida Low Carb show. Uh, One Step Deeper is on there. Uh, I also do a show called Real Talk. Um, and then, of course, all the Clubhouse videos. I also uh, do that as well. On social media, it's living low carb man, literally everywhere. Um, so that's how you find me. Great. So we'd like to finish off by asking you for your three top tips that you would give someone. Maybe they're just starting out on keto. Maybe they've been at it a long time. But what are your three top tips? I have so many tips. And, and these are going to be probably uh, unconventional for the responses you will typically get on your podcast, which is what I do. I like to think outside the box. Stop stressing so much. <laughs> because I think people who stress themselves out over counting macronutrients and how many calories do I have? And is this keto? Is that keto? And they just go crazy. Like we talked about earlier in the conversation, information overload. When you're stressed, that's called a sympathetic state. When you're in a sympathetic state, 
your cortisol is up, that raises your blood sugar, that raises your insulin, and you cannot lose fat. You cannot be healthy. So <laughs> fill out people. Like that's that's a biggie. So that's one. Number two, find your tribe, find people that are your community. So many people write to me all the time. I have no support at home. I have nobody that's helping me. Guess what? That's why the online world exists. Like if nothing else, reach out to these lovely ladies here. Help reach out to me. We're all here to help people. Like that's what we do. So find these communities online. Traditional social media is a little bit discouraging in that way. So be careful if you go on say Facebook or some other group. This is why I love Clubhouse. And on there, you can connect with people around the world and it's been nothing but loving. So if you can get on there, it's wonderful. Uh, So that would be the second one. Find your tribe, get inspiration from them. And then finally, just just give yourself grace while you're going through this journey. Mm -hmm. So many people, they beat themselves up. We are really our own worst critics, Jackie. We are. We talk to ourselves in ways we would never imagine talking to other people. And trust me, I'm pointing three fingers back at Jimmy Moore at this because there's many a day where I beat up Jimmy more than all my haters combined. Mm -hmm. And I think if we could show ourselves grace, lift ourselves up, and I would even say like purposely compliment what you've done well and show that gratitude for where you've been able to come in this journey and overcome in this journey. And sometimes it's hard when we hyper-focus on one marker, like weight, everybody likes to hyper-focus on that. I, I want you to think about, do you feel better? Do you wake up in the morning bounding out of bed, ready to go, full of energy? Is your mental health a lot more stable? Do you have a sharp brain? Like all of those are like subjective factors that matter. Because if they didn't matter you and you only focused on the scale, then yeah, you could get discouraged. But there's always more benefits than what you see on the scale. So give yourself that grace. That's number three. Fantastic. Three great points. Awesome. Certainly. Thank you very much for being with us. It's been great to interview you. It's been fabulous. <laughs> That's a wrap. That's a wrap. That's a wrap. Woo! Well, Jackie, what a catalogue, you know, the, the fact that Jimmy has been living low carb now for 17 years, 1,700 guests he's interviewed and, you know, being the author or co-author of nine books, um, you know, his legacy really speaks volumes of, you know, the power of his um, his contribution, his legacy, and, yeah, he's really still continuing to pay it forward just in a different way. Yeah, he's still talking about keto, but he's now going very emotionally uh, to the emotional side. And we all know that that has a huge influence on our weight and our health and our well-being, as well as what we eat. And he was instrumental in Hannah and Bitter, Bitter from episode three coming together because they were going on his cruise and they then started talking and that's how they got together and started doing their work together yeah and it's these sorts of things that even though um he is maybe not obviously doing those sort of big big things such as the the cruises anymore he's still an influencer and creating content you know and the content that he has obviously evolved with his own journey and as you rightly pointed out so much of our our journey is not just about what the food that we're putting into it, but obviously there's loads of deep trauma. And whether that's obviously, you know, in his case, his, um, his, his abuse or that sort of childhood trauma, but also the fact that we have many other traumas that, that go along with our, our journeys as well. So that impacts on, as you said, the stress, the cortisols, which results in um, making the wrong food choices. And even not the wrong food choices, even if you're still making the right food choices, the hormones are still not doing or working in a way that is beneficial for us and healthy for us. Yeah, that's so true. And we know that obviously it's not just obviously, yeah, as you said, rightly so, 
not just the food, it's about the stress, our sleep, our state of mind, you know, and that's really, you know, great for Jimmy that he's really removing the stigma about those sorts of difficult conversations, particularly around childhood trauma. So go Jimmy. And Jackie, where can people go and find the show notes for Jimmy's episode? So the show notes at www.fabulouslyketo.com forward slash podcast forward slash 036. Hey, Jackie. You know, when you were starting out with keto, you probably had loads of questions. Yeah, I do. (laughs) Don't you wish you just had someone who was able to give you just the simple answers to all those questions about macros, electrolytes, reading nutrition labels and sweetness? Absolutely, yeah. Well, we want to have an episode where you, dear listener, can AMA, which stands for Ask Me Anything. You'll be able to ask us anything using a Fabulously Keto webpage where there is a contact form and you could submit your questions, which we will answer on these episodes. The contact page is fabulouslyketo.com forward slash AMA. Whether you're just starting out or experienced in your journey, we will happily answer your questions. You don't have to be new to keto, so if you're further along in your journey and have questions on being stuck on a plateau or a stall, then feel free to submit your questions as well. Just head over to www.fabulouslyketo.com forward slash AMA. It would be great if you could support us through Patreon. Go to patreon.com forward slash fabulouslyketo and you can choose the monthly amount you wish. Can you recommend a guest we can interview? If you can, click on the link in the show notes to send us your recommendation. Follow us on social media. Our Facebook page is called Fabulously Keto. Or follow us on Instagram, Fabulously Keto One. Did you enjoy the show? Let us know that you listened by tagging us in your Insta story or Instagram post using the handle Fabulously Keto One and the hashtag TFKP. All the links are on the website and in the show notes. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, click the subscribe button. Reviews help us to be found and reach new listeners. Please leave a review of our show on your preferred podcast listening platform. We appreciate you taking the time and read them all. Disclaimer. The information in this podcast is for informational and educational purposes only. Nothing in this podcast can be taken as advice. Whether our guests are doctors, healthcare professionals or not, they're only sharing their own opinions and stories and this does not constitute a doctor-patient relationship. It's always best to seek professional medical advice should you wish to make any changes to your current medication or treatments. Also speak to your own doctor if you have any concerns about your health or you wish to make lifestyle changes, especially if you're taking medication.